0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on e-bike dangers and safety. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In recent weeks, especially in the last couple of months, we've seen a sharp rise in the number of these lithium-ion battery fires. Now, we're told how dangerous they are, but yet the popularity continues to grow. There's tens of thousands of them in use in many communities around the United States. People use them for work, people use them to commute. People use them for fun. People use them for just about everything. But what we want to talk about today is we want to get some basic safety facts so you know how to keep yourself and your loved ones safe and also what needs to be done so that we can really navigate our way through what is safe, what's not safe, what are good things to do, good things to buy, and what aren't. So we've got an amazing panel to talk about this. Uh, With us, joining us is Christopher Marte. He's a New York City Council member representing District 1. District 1 is the name includes the neighborhood of the Lower East Side, which has many delivery workers who rely on e-bikes uh, for their livelihood, and also where the fatal uh, fire was recently that took four lives. So, Chris, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Bravo. Thank you so much. Also with us is George Paranacci. He's the vice president of the Uniformed Fire Officers Association, and also a captain with the New York City Fire Department, FDNY. George, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. We appreciate it. Also with us is Gabe Knight. She's a policy analyst with Consumer Reports. She's been taking a look, very close look, at what are the regulations that are there, the ones that are blatantly missing. So we're going to find out a lot from her as well. Gabe, thank you so much for joining. us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. George, I want to start with you because we need some basic facts about these these battery fires. Are they as bad? as we are hearing, and they seem to be.
1: I'll be honest with you, I think they're worse. Um, Let's see, I have, uh, in 2023, year to date, we had 110 fires uh, from lithium-ion batteries. 70 of those fires were linked directly to e-mobility devices. Um, There was 13 deaths associated this year, you know, to date. Uh, As opposed to last year, we had uh, two deaths, and. uh 100 fires 102 fires so almost a similar amount of fires but the death toll is rising on these things
0: and then what makes what makes them so de- what makes them so deadly and difficult cuz we've seen high rise daring high rise rope rescues to get people out who were trapped in a building we've seen you know so many other things that have happened the, the grocery store in the Bronx we've seen the the one in uh in council member Martes district where it was an e-bike and a battery repair shop and charging station. What is it about them that makes it them so dangerous? Uh,
1: several factors. One of them is that they ignite so quickly. Um, and uh, the nature of, of these e-mobility devices, for example, is people like to store them near the front door because who wants to traipse this thing through your entire apartment or house? So you leave it by the front door. You charge it. They take 12 hours to charge. And they're cutting off your means of egress. Um, you can't get out of the house. Uh, the fires don't go out. They often reignite. Um, even after it looks like they're out, they just start uh, you know, bursting into flames again. And they, and they they ignite very, very quickly. So you don't have a chance to get out.
0: All right. Um, Christopher Martins, uh, city council member. Some legislation, there was a hearing in November of 2022 before the city council where there was a lot of testimony about this. There was a video presented by the fire department, a training video that shows that when these batteries ignite, they basically shoot flames out in many cases. Where do things stand now in terms of protection for people in the city?
2: Yeah, so we passed a package of legislation that will only sell certified ion batteries to hopefully get a lot of the illegal ones or uncertified ones or refurbished ones that haven't been, Taken care of properly off the market, and so that's the law of the land today. We also pass laws that will help track and give us data of how many actually are out there and how many are selling, so we can identify them and hopefully take them off the streets and off these uh, buildings.
0: But how can you track them when like so so many can be bought online or they can be bought? There's it's not like there's serial numbers, right?
2: And I think this is why we need our partnership from the federal, state, and local level. And I think in the past few weeks, we have actually seen uh, all all three entities come together and try to put funding and ideas together to make it safer to charge uh, these batteries because we know the popularity is only increasing. And we know people are ordering from delivery apps almost every single day. And so we really need to work in unison also with FDNY to make sure that even with the protected batteries, that we're doing it in a safe location.
0: All right, Gabe, you've been researching these, uh, researching these batteries and these battery fires and the devices for many months, and have done a number of reports on it, extensive reports. What is the situation now? Because it seems like most of them are just completely
3: un- unregulated or uncertified. What What is the state of things now? Right. So currently there are no federal rules for lithium-ion batteries. There are voluntary industry standards for the batteries as well as for e-bikes, but many companies simply choose not to follow them. Uh companies have cited costs as a major reason for not certifying to the voluntary standards, but that is a one-time expense and it doesn't necessarily add much, if anything, to a bike's individual cost. Um in December, the Federal Consumer Product Safety Commission did reach out to over 2,000 e-bike makers and sellers and urge them to make sure that their products are safe or face possible enforcement action. Um, At this point, we just don't know if those manufacturers that have failed to follow best industry practices will change their course, start prioritizing safety, or if they will continue leaving consumers at elevated risk. All right, when we come back, we're gonna find out more from our panel. Stay with us. We're talking about
0: e-bike battery safety and dangers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, for this episode of Street Soldiers. We'll be back right after this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith and Wesson. And right now, you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on e bike battery safety and dangers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this important conversation, Christopher Marte. He's a New York City council member, he represents District 1 in Lower Manhattan. Also with us is George Farinacci. He's the vice president of the Uniform Fire Officers Association. That's the UFOA. He's also a captain with the New York City Fire Department, FDNY. Also with us is Gabe Knight. She's a policy analyst for Consumer Reports and has done a lot of research into this entire issue. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. Uh, George, one thing I want to under for people to understand: a lot of times we hear that this these fires are starting. While people are charging. And I've had conversations that people go, Well, I'll charge my e bike overnight, I'll plug it in. What could possibly happen? Explain that for us.
1: So the batteries take uh, a long time to charge. So you need several hours. Nobody wants to babysit the battery while it's charging. Um, you know, if everything was perfect, and, and these batteries, by the way, they have a nickname of Goldilocks battery, because everything has to be just right for them to work properly. So if everything was perfect, your safety may go up. However, um, you know, batteries are often, uh, people are not using the correct chargers. People are not using the correct batteries. They're doing aftermarket products. This is not recommended. Um, in the, uh, in these shops that we've seen these fires, what they do is they hobble together batteries from spare parts. Uh, they take cells out of one battery, put them into another battery and then, and then fasten them together. Um, this is a recipe for a fire. This is exactly what's happening. So um, charging, um, ch- charging these batteries uh, without being present by your front door, it's just, a, it, it's a recipe for that,
0: disaster. Gabe, what about it in terms of the, you know, when, when you get like a toaster oven or you get a coffee maker or something like that, all those, those tags on the cords, You know underwriters lab or certified by this or 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 some other some other thing depending on the state what is there anything like that for these batteries
3: so in terms of what consumers should look for yes um so unfortunately there are a lot of bad actors out there that are taking advantage of the fact that we don't yet have mandatory rules for these e-bikes these e scooters these batteries Um, And the onus, of course, should not be on consumers to figure out if what they're buying is safe. Uh, It should be the manufacturer's responsibility to ensure that they are selling safe products in the first place. Uh, But given the current circumstances, consumers have to do the research. They have to be vigilant. I would say only buy from a well-known, reputable manufacturer. Make sure they have a legitimate website. Um, Not here today, gone tomorrow. Um, And consumers should check to see the battery that's used in their products has been uh, third party tested by an accredited lab. Also be extremely careful if you are buying secondhand refurbished batteries. Um you might want to consider only buying from certified mechanics. I know that's a great point. Christopher for Marte the the
0: fire that happened in uh, on the Lower East Side that took four lives in your district. That particular bike repair shop, they had a whole charging operation that was going that was going on for the delivery workers. Explain that to us.
2: Yeah, so we see these types of shops actually throughout Lower East Side and Chinatown where people don't want to charge it at home because it does take a long time or most delivery workers need to have three or four batteries just to do a 24-hour shift. And so while they're doing deliveries, they have other batteries being charged at these locations. We see that as a huge problem because we have some protected batteries and others not protected or uncertified batteries. And these buildings are not equipped to be charging all these batteries at the same time as well. And so we actually have been working with FDAY. They've been doing sweep throughout the community. Yesterday, they were at a shop on uh, Canal and Eldridge Street, another location that was just charging way too many batteries to make sure that that practice doesn't happen again. Um, as as Dave mentioned, there are bad actors and there are good actors. We have good actors that are just selling certified batteries um, and they're following the right protocols. But then we have others who aren't and are charging way too many uncertified batteries at one location, which is gonna only increase the risk of a potential buyer.
0: So so um, City Council Member Martin, would you say that the majority of batteries being used on the streets of New York City, for example, are uncertified or certified?
2: Well, we don't know the statistics, right? We're playing catch up at this moment. Uh, you could tell by the brand sometimes whether they're certified or not, but as we've seen with a lot of these delivery workers, there are bikes that are being made, you know, um, on on the spot. And so they're using different types of batteries. As George said, a lot of times their charger is not compatible with the battery because they're just buying a piecemeal. Um, And I think this is why we have to put pressure on the delivery apps, right? We have to make sure that the door dashes of the world, the Uber Eats, have their own qualifications of equipment for these delivery Workers to use because it can't just be the onus on these workers who are barely making enough money uh, to live uh, to make sure that they buy you know the the gold standard of e bat e- uh, lithium ion batteries and, and chargers.
0: Thank you. You like that, George? In terms of the enforcement, let's talk about that fire that was on the the lower east side for a minute. The the owner of the bar, bike shop had been found guilty of using these illegal charging devices. There've been numerous visits by the FDMY there, but because I guess because they can be moved so quickly when they felt that there was they were due for an inspection or were getting an inspection, they um, reportedly moved them out and then moved them back in or cleaned it up. And of course after a tragedy like this, people are saying we want more inspections, we want more inspections. But given the sheer number and volume of these devices and this the the exploding popularity of them ever since COVID, how practical is that?
1: You know, uh, I actually live in a neighborhood as well, and the shops are everywhere. The um, The problem is the enforcement doesn't give us the tools to address unsafe practices. We don't have enough tools in this. It, it, as Chris said, we're, we're playing catch-up. Um, sometimes the process is slow, but we need state laws and city laws to be more tightly regulated, and we need them now because we shouldn't lose another life. Um, it, it's... Uh, they, they've tried to get these places shut down. I've had people call me up. Hey, listen, I have I have some ghost kitchen operating in my uh, ground floor of my apartment building. There's 15 bikes in here. What can I do? And the laws are a little bit murky. Um, they're not getting a, a expedient uh, enforcement. Is a problem.
0: Would you support something like they have, for example, with the New York City sheriff with the illegal, you know, with the um, unlicensed cigarettes? when they have these these flavored vapes, which are illegal technically illegal to be sold but are everywhere. They can confiscate them and find the stores that are selling them, hit them with very severe fines. Would that be some type of solution to look at? I,
1: I think it would be great because th- this is it, it's shown to be a very deadly uh option here. To, to do nothing and and we really need to address this. It's very
0: unsafe. City council member market, what would you think of something like that?
2: I, I think that can definitely help. Um however like we see with these illegal uh, smoke shop that they see it as a cost of business a lot of times, these fine violations. And so it's making sure that uh, we try to close down the bad actors after a number of repeated offenses. And you know hopefully we can help the ones that you know made a mistake and direct them the right way, give them the right products, the ideas to make sure that batteries can uh, be charged safely at their establishments. But the ones that continuously do the same bad practices, uh, we just have to make sure that they're not around.
0: And Gabe, from, from what you were able to find, in terms of you say there's no federal legislation around this, have you, did you find anywhere where they are doing an effective job or is this just something that's kind of like a runaway train everywhere, nobody's been able to catch up?
3: So sorry to clarify, there are no federal rules. There is actually um, some legislation in Congress now that would enable the CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission, to establish uh, a timely rule. These lithium-ion batteries, but but as of now, there's just um, there's no mandatory standard, Um, and unfortunately, it is very difficult and very time-consuming for federal safety regulators to create new rules uh, for products. Uh, This is unfortunately thanks to an ill-conceived law passed by Congress in the 80s. It greatly impedes timely rulemaking, and the consequences of that is that uh, it means companies put profits over the safety of their consumers in some cases. And um, companies can do this for years before they're actually held accountable, and in the meantime, it's consumers who are paying the price. And then, in, ter- in terms of the
0: industry itself, there's there's just so many different sources, right? That's got to make it even tough too. It's not like there's just three or four big manufacturers.
3: Oh, correct. No, there are many. Um, I don't want to put a number on it, but you know, ever since the change to the de minimis law um 2016, you see the huge influx in these products and the quality is suspect often. And then what was the de minimis law, if you could school us on that? Sure, absolutely. So it was a change in the federal uh, law. Um, It set the de minimis, which means things that can come into the country duty-free, tax-free, and with minimal uh, federal inspection. Changed it from 200 to, um, I believe it was 800. They changed it to $800. So anything valued under $800 can come into the US um, duty-free. And just logistically, you know, federal workers cannot feasibly keep up with the sheer amount of products. They can't keep a close enough eye on them to ensure that what is being shipped to consumers in the US is in fact safe. No, absolutely. Christopher Marte, in terms
0: of the in terms of the legislation that that already exists in New York City, where do we stand with that?
2: Yeah, so it's currently the law of the land. I think there's conversations of adding new legislation, whether it's a trade-in or buyback program where we can really do outreach in these communities where we know that there's uncertified batteries and offer them a protected certified battery. I think that's the only way we're really going to get to a 0% uh, amount of illegal uncertified batteries on the street if we proactive these communities and don't make a a cost on the worker to to have the safety standards that they need. Um, And so we're looking into legislation on that As well as looking into legislation to make sure that these party delivery apps um, have a a protocol or standard of what their workers use right when you look at some of the 15-minute delivery apps like gorillas or get it they have their own equipment every every bike every backpack um, is the same and they follow a certain type of standard and now we have to make sure that uh, these third-party delivery apps have the same type of standard
0: all right uh, we're we're going to continue this conversation about e-bike battery and safety. We're going to find out what's it like for firefighters when they show up in a fire and they suspect that it is caused has been caused by a lithium-ion battery overheating. Stay with us. We'll be back with more. A street soldiers right after this.
3: Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King
2: of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics,
0: and real people only on Hot 97. You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on e bike battery safety and dangers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about this because the growing there's been a growing number of fires, not just in New York City but all around the country, and also uh, taking lives, causing tremendous amounts of damage, and putting a lot of people at risk. So we want to find out what's the reality and what could be done to, to save more lives. Basically, joining us for this conversation, Christopher Marte. He's a New York City council member representing District 1 in Lower Manhattan. Also with us is George Farinacci. He's the vice president of the Uniformed Fire Officers Association and a captain with the New York City Fire Department at BMY And also joining us is Gabe Knight. She's a policy analyst with Consumer Reports, and she's been studying this whole issue of e-bike uh, battery safety and legislation or lack of it. Um, George, when you guys hear that, we get a call and the response, here's the other thing too, with a lot of these fires, like the one on the Lower East Side, we were told the response time was very fast. It was in four minutes in one of the most congested parts of the city. When firefighters arrive, and they're, if you suspect that this could be another lithium ion battery fire, which so many more of them are, what kinds of protocols or concerns uh, do you guys have?
1: I think very similar to other fires, but the fact that they can take off so quickly and they can go from uh, just a smoldering flame to a, uh, you've seen these white hot uh, uh, flames that uh, encompass, encapsulate the doorway or, or, you know, now you can't get out. Now you're, you can't get in as a firefighter. We can't get to those back bedrooms where people may be overcome by smoke. Um, And even if we get there, our egress may be cut off by the speed with which these fires activate um, that means we're going to need a uh, hose lines in place, maybe a second hose line. Um, and we're going to need a lot of water and sometimes water just doesn't do it. It takes a long time.
0: Well, that's the other thing too. Is is it true that the, it takes a lot more water to put these fires out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, the fire gets trapped in these cells and even when the fire goes out, the batteries are still doing what batteries do. They're still sending energy back and forth and that circumstance that, that cause a fire in the first place still exists in that encapsulated space so you can't get the water into that space until it gets opened and it, it's a really complicated fire and the results uh, as we've seen are get catastrophic
0: and then there was the fire the midtown high-rise fire where the man was uh, supposedly repairing batteries for bikes and stuff in a, in a high-rise apartment in midtown Manhattan and the, the firefighters had to use these rope It was like a rope rescue like rappelling down the side of the building and pulling the people out of the, the very dramatic and very high risk. I'm sure pulling them out of the, um, forgive me if I'm not using the right terminology, but they're just basically trying to pull people out of the window and carry them to safety down these ropes.
1: Sure, and you know just to, to you know, sort of punctuate that, like that guy that was repairing those batteries, he's protected now under this right to repair law in New York State, and. And whether or not that was uh, designed originally for e-bike e mobility devices, and maybe it was just for cell phones, but they got caught up in that. So these home repair shops have some, some legal protection. Um, um,
0: what about the what about your concerns about the, the shops that were you know continuing to do business?
2: Well, I think it's especially
0: in your district where, excuse me, I'm sorry to cut you up, but especially in your district where it's like it's very densely populated. It's
2: it's really scary, but you know, fortunately uh, there was a major announcement made by Senator Chuck Schumer and Eric Adams that they're going to create a uh, new charging location, charging hubs in over 52 natural properties throughout the five boroughs. Uh, I think it's going to be around 173 different types of stations. So hopefully this will take it out of people's homes and put it in a safe location where they can be charged. And Of course, these shops are still going to be popping up left and right until there's more regulation. And I think that's where... You know whether it's it's my office or a constituent on the streets doing 311 complaints and seeing it. if they see something report it um the mayor also announced that the response time uh which typically was within 72 hours is going to be decreased to maximum 12 hours and so we're going to have a lot more fdny officers uh at these lo- locations as quickly as possible and so we're we're trying different aspects to make sure that there's a lot more safety uh but we have to do a lot more,
0: and then gave some of. We've seen some reports too from around the country that you know these similar types of batteries are used in like toy cars for kids that people are charging in. Is, is there any have you any concerns about that, or is that something totally different?
3: Um, I mean, to the extent that they are using lithium-ion batteries, if they are not certified and not tested to be safe, they have similar issues.
0: They're de- definite. And then from, were there other things as you were doing your research that you found that were really surprising to you just in terms of, wow, the state of this is, you know, just the volume of it, the frequency, the how fast this whole phenomenon is growing?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think people are really surprised to hear when they um, when they find out that there are no federal safety rules for this. A lot of people assume that what they're buying is tested to be safe, but fortunately that's not the case. Um, I think we're also seeing... Um, that there's a, you know, disproport some communities are disproportionately impacted by this. Um, and that's played out in New York and it's tragic to see. And then why do you, why, explain for us,
0: why would you be seeing that in underserved communities that the, in lo- low-income communities that are, they're disproportionately affected by this? Why do you say that?
3: Sure, well, people with lower incomes often just can't afford high-end bikes. They might be likelier to purchase cheaper models that don't follow best safety practices. They also might be more likelier to buy riskier secondhand batteries because they're less expensive. Um, you know, for example, we know from our reporting um, that New York City has tens of thousands of app based delivery workers, and these people are independent contractors. They have to buy their own equipment, their own e-bikes out of pocket, and they might not be able to afford the upfront cost of a quality e-bike. Um, we know these drivers work for long hours. They're under a lot of pressure to use these batteries for long periods of time. Sometimes they do it in the rain, and the snow, and that can affect battery safety as well. Um, these workers may carry spare batteries to switch out during their shifts, which might not be manufacturer-supplied. And um, of course, safety experts advise against that and say you should only use a manufacturer-supplied battery and charger with an e-bike, uh, e-bike. but that's just not feasible for some people due to the cost. Um, so the lack of regulation is really hitting these communities the hardest. Um, and people should be able, regardless of their income, to afford e-bikes and e-suiters that are tested
0: absolutely and especially when they're using it to feed themselves and feed their families and and pay you know live and, and and survive george in terms of actually using charging a battery you know we we see now too with the phones you know you can buy these you can buy a charger for a phone which is on a much lower obviously a danger level or or whatever but you, there there's certain certifications that come with a phone or it's compatible with this model or not or compatible with that model there there's what what gabe was talking about with a third party uh testing certification that is certified for that that particular model in terms of people who have these in their homes because uh, one of the other things too is you know you have everybody in the fa- and some families has them when we were on the lower east side uh covering the fire that was you know, there was a mother. She had one. The kid, the the her son had her little son had a scooter. You know, the the father had an e-bike. It's like everybody had what some device that was powered by one of these batteries. So, how would you recommend people use it? Because you know, you can't you can't stay there and basically be, babysit the battery for the whole you know for hours.
1: Yeah so uh we're talking about uh listed products right ul is one of the listing agencies there's a few other entities out there to do so and that's for the chargers and for the batteries you know think about all of the things that cause your phone to to not work well and overheat you know if you, you would never leave it in the car right because it would get too hot nobody would do that um if you plug it into a, a third-party charger and you feel the phone start to heat up you have the presence of mind to say let me unplug this but what's the difference you're on your phone. Your phone is never out of your hand for the most part, right? Unlike these batteries, they, they plug them in and they forget them until the next time they need the vehicle. Um, it's 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 a very particular problem. Um, you know, I'll speak to, uh, if, if you want, I have some numbers, you know, when we, uh, with the deaths, we had 38 deaths in the Bronx this year. We had 33 in Brooklyn and 21 in Queens and 21 in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Staten Island has uh, managed to avoid this. Um, but you know, it talks about the neighborhoods that are impacted, you know,
0: they are, they're, they're It's almost, it's almost uniformly the, the, uh, underserved communities or low, lower income communities Uh city council member, Christopher Marte, in terms of the, in terms of the impact on the community, what, what have you seen since that fatal fire in your district?
2: A lot of people are scared. You know, we've been getting constant calls in our office over the past week. Um, uh, Oh, there's a Charlie keeps bike station right under H.B. Am I safe? Or there's one just down the block. Are my neighbors safe? And we have to constantly reassure and tell them that you know we're working with Afghan why to make sure that all these locations are safe for residents. And and it's just the bad actors that we have to single out. Uh, personally, for me, my my mother was affected by a Ithion Lyon battery fire, the one at SeaTown in the South Bronx. She was taking care of my A 99 year old grandmother who was bedridden and when the fire started exploding, she hadn't, there was nothing she could do. And thankfully FNY was on the scene really quickly and was able to save her. But now my mom and my grandma, my family are second guessing where they live next to or whether they should move her to another location. And so these are the thoughts and conversations that are having in families throughout our communities. And I think that's why we have to be extremely proactive and, and quick uh to make sure that people feel the confidence that we're taking action that they can be safe.
0: And then I was I, co- I covered that uh for, for Fox Fire uh New York also the 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 grocery store fire that you're talking about. And thank God your your mother your mother and your 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 grandmother are okay. But the in terms of the 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 stress for them too like that was a pretty big grocery store so you wouldn't really be thinking and yes i'm sure they deliver in the neighborhood but you w- wouldn't really even be thinking that that would be a concern like where if it was a smaller restaurant or, or food store you know like a smaller food store or whatever that that would be a concern so that's got to be a tremendous stress
2: it, it's a huge stress and you know that Sea town has been there for decades uh, and so it's something that people have lived with, have confidence that nothing bad is going to happen there. And so it's not just these, you know, charging bike stations that have popped up relatively in the past five or six years, is a lot of these, you know, grocery stores, supermarkets, other shops that whether you just personally have an e-bike uh, and you're charging it at your job uh, or you're using it to do deliveries, it's it's been bringing up a lot of question, a lot of concern of how do we Regulate this and continue to have a safe community.
0: And that grocery store too was one of very few of that size with those kind of prices in that neighborhood to serve people. Yeah.
2: Exactly, and that's what going back to Gabe's point. This is happening in mostly black and brown underserved communities, right? Uh, George gave the numbers per borough, but you know we've seen the fires this past year mostly happening in Chinatown and the Lower East Side, um, and so it's really affecting people who can't afford to buy, you know, the best bikes, the best batteries uh, is the ones that they can just get off the market.
0: Hey, George, uh, tell me if this is true or false. I heard that when the, that even if they came up with some kind of serial number, you know, like they started to do with some car parts that get stolen all the time, the that if they came up with some kind of serial number on one of these lithium ion batteries, it wouldn't matter anyway in terms of tracing where it came from because they'd Basically, disintegrate during the during the fire. Is that true? Uh,
1: I I haven't heard of it. I mean, it sounds like they they're just melting away by the end of it, uh, unless they made it out of some type of metal. Uh, but you know, the the batteries are they're exchanged so frequently. Um, you know, I I think that uh, mentioned before it was like you you take one battery out, but you have a spare uh, just because you're going to go through it. You know, especially if you're working on it. They're not meant for more than a few hours of operation. Um,
0: right, and then and then if people are and then the way people use them is like if you're wor- if you're working or you're using it to get to and from work, which which I think, Chris, there's been a lot a lot more people using the e-bikes too for commuting because of in the last couple of years in New York, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's an easy way to commute uh throughout the city. Now with our bike lanes as well, they're much safer to use on the street, and so we've seen it become super popular. And it's a, it's a trend that's not going to go away. Uh, we see parents, you know, dropping off their kids with a e-scooter e-bike. And so it's being used in every single aspect of daily life.
0: And Gabe, in terms of the, you know, we, we were talking about, legi- you know, legislation and, and federal standards, were there anything, any other things, recommendations that you think could be done maybe on a state by state basis to try to make this safe for everybody?
3: Sure. Well, I do think this needs to be addressed at this federal level. I think canary, uh, sorry, New York has kind of served as the canary in the coal mine here. But as these things increase in popularity, um, I think you're going to start seeing more and more fires elsewhere. Um, there's actually a bill in Congress right now um, setting consumer standards for lithium ion batteries act sponsored by Senator Gillibrand and Representative Torres of New York. Um, and it would enable, enable the Clean Consumer Product Safety Commission to work more quickly to make and enforce a standard.
0: Because I think what I don't understand is, you know, you you have uh, meat products are, are regulated, you have uh food products are are regulated, chemicals that are used in, you know, household chemicals are are regulated uh federally. I mean, pretty much everything that we use, you know, in our daily lives is kind of regulated. So it it just seems a little crazy that this that this isn't in any way.
3: Right. So actually, um, that's a bit of a misconception. People do assume that products they buy for their home are safe and do meet federal standards. But unfortunately, for a lot of consumer products, that is not the case. Um, I mentioned there was a little law passed by Congress in the 1980s. Um, that was an amendment to the Consumer Product Safety Act, which basically requires the Consumer Product Safety Commission to rely primarily on voluntary standards rather than making their own mandatory safety rules. And this hamstrings a lot of brick rulemaking. So people suffer from that.
0: No, definitely. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more from our guests on e-bike battery safety and the dangers and what you can do to make sure You stay safe. We'll be right back after this.
1: Yeah, yeah. What up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter, Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on e-bike battery safety and dangers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Joining us for this conversation, Christopher Marte. He's a New York City council member, represents District 1 in Lower Manhattan. Also with us is George Farinacci, He's the vice president of the Uniform Fire Officers Association. He's also a captain with the New York City Fire Department (FDNY). Also with us is Gabe Knight. She's a policy analyst for Consumer Reports and has done a lot of research into this entire issue. So, Gabe, in terms of the in terms of the concerns, we we've talked about the lower income communities, but it's also it goes way beyond that because in every community, even if you're in the suburbs and have a private garage, people have had these battery fires in their barrages, where they store, you know, uh, lighter for the grill and and all sorts of other flammable things. And there's been problems there. Tell us about that.
3: Well, yeah, Lisa, you're absolutely right. I just want to stress that this is an issue that matters for everyone. You could be at risk even if you're not a low income e-bike buyer. Um, People charge these in their homes, in their apartments. Your neighbor might have one. Um, And as we've been told, these fires spread very quickly and they're difficult to put out. Um, a lot of times, product safety issues can go well beyond the owner of the product, and that is clearly the case here. Uh, it's important for everyone's safety that these issues be addressed. All right. And then and then across the country, too, you say New York City is the canary in the coal
0: mine here. Is this, are, are we unfortunately on the cutting edge of this? We like to be when it's good things and good trends or fun trends, but.
3: Sure. No, absolutely. I just um, think, yes, we are unfortunately, until either manufacturers step up across the board, change their tune, these bad actors, and and start abiding by these voluntary standards, Um, or we have a safety rule in place that applies to all uh, manufacturers. I think, unfortunately, we're gonna keep seeing more events like this, not just in New York.
0: And and George, there's there's another aspect of these batteries you wanna uh, educate us on.
1: So as we see uh, an increasing number of fires from these batteries, and that means an increasing number of responses for my members, my firefighters, my fire officers, um, we have so many questions about the unknown toxins that are released when these batteries burn. These are all hazardous chemicals, serious carcinogens. Uh, the smoke that comes off these batteries sticks to our gear, um, as well as exposing all of the civilians and lingering in the house, but it sticks to our gear. That means every time we put our gear on after that, it's going to have some remnants of this carcinogen that's going to dig deeper and deeper into our skin, um, Cancer is a huge problem with the fire service. Uh, we lose more firefighters to cancer every year than anything else.
0: And then when you say sticks to your gear, it's like it's like is there there's something like oily in the smoke or something that just, or, or the chemical it just kind of like coats it like a coating.
1: That uh, the carcin- the uh, excuse me the petroleum based uh, plastics that they use for the batteries uh, that makes like a glue for all of the other contaminants to stick to. And then it just, it superheats, it melts, it sticks to your gear and it dries. And now it's there. Um, really, really hazardous stuff.
0: And, and Chris, the, the, in terms of the, the, the smoke too, like the, the, the smoke is thick, it comes out, it's rancid. it's leaving, makes it very hard for people afterwards. If one of these happens in the building or next door to them.
2: Yeah, it, it lingers. Even I walked by Madison with arts fire took place because those smell of the,
0: the fire, and it's going to last for, for for weeks. And what what do you think, uh, what, what would you like to see the city council do, like ASAP?
2: I think we need to do three big things. First is get more funding for education, right? A lot of the consumers don't know what type of product they're buying, whether it's safe or not. So making sure that we do this in Multiple languages, because we know that a lot of the delivery workers are either uh, Latino, Asian Americans, or West Africans. So, making sure that we're speaking to uh, the workers in their language and make sure they know the proper protocols. Uh, second, we need to find more safe location. You know, they announced uh, 52 nitro properties, but there's a lot of uh, delivery workers that don't live in public housing, so carry fi- private sites or other lots. And create stations similar to what Tesla has been doing in parking lots in the city so we can have the confidence to know that uh, no matter who you are or where you live, you can charge a battery safely. And the last thing is making sure that we put the budget in this budget cycle uh, for a trade in program because we already know the price of what these fires can create, whether it's the people that we lost or the displacement. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of families who are now living in Red Cross emergency shelters, are being transferred to a a city emergency shelter, uh, probably for weeks and months until that building can be back up to code. And what we've seen in New York City, once a fire happens, uh, the people that are displaced sometimes takes years to regain their life back. And so let's be proactive, let's put the money in the investment right now, uh, because we know this is a trend that will continue if if we don't change the current course.
0: And that's terrible for the family, for the displaced families and residents, because the shelter system is so overburdened right now, and the housing crisis and everything like that. So another reason to get moving with this right away, George. If you a final word, if you had, if you could do anything you wanted to do, your organization and and concern the that you know leaders of the fire department like yourself, what would you like to see happen to give you the tools that you guys need? What are those tools that you need, and also to protect your members?
1: Um- we really need more enforcement uh, options. They really need to give us more leverage to en- enforce safety. Um, in the interim, until that happens, maybe uh, it's not a bad idea to go back to a pedal bicycle or, um, or strictly, you know, from maybe a best option, the bike share program where somebody else is doing the charging and it's being done outside of the homes uh, might be a good option. Um, but in this current situation, I don't see how we resolve it because the the cost of the the new batteries, uh, maybe somewhere around a thousand dollars if you bought a manufacturer spec battery. The cost of these uh, you know third party manufacturers that you can get on Amazon maybe a couple of hundred bucks. What are they going to buy? They're not buying the thousand dollar battery, right? Um,
0: so. And nobody's doing that. and then in terms of in enforcement too, in terms of having enough staff, enough firefighters or or mar- marshals or whoever to to do these inspections.
1: Staffing is always useful but uh, right now I think we just we really need that code to really define what they're allowed to do uh, and what our actions can be in uh, in response if they don't um you know being able to shut them down immediately or being able to uh, uh you know I don't know if we want to confiscate stuff or, uh, that's that's going to be another agency that would do that but um you know this is uh we need more tools
0: right no absolutely and then Gabe... Uh... Fi- your, your your final thoughts on on what would be the, something that would you know some action that would we and we've talked about a lot of them that you know you brought up so many great points but in terms of some some action that could be taken you know f- in a fairly timely manner that would that would really make a difference in terms of saving lives
3: sure I mean from the consumer perspective um you know just to safeguard yourself people should only buy reputable brands avoid these fly by nine companies check for a good website ensure that the lithium uh, ion batteries third party tested by an accredited lab and be very careful if you're buying refurbished batteries try to purchase them only from a certified mechanic um, on the other side of things as i mentioned there's a bill in congress that would um give the cpsc the authority to make a uh, standard for these lithium-ion batteries and some reports has endorsed this bill um, and i would urge all manufacturers if you're not currently complying with voluntary standards um, do so prioritize the the safety of your customers.
0: No, absolutely. I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Speed Soldiers. Uh, Christopher Marte, New York City Council Member from uh, District 1 in Lower Manhattan. George Farinacci, he's the Vice President of the Uniformed Fire Officers Association, a Captain with the New York City Fire Department, FDNY, and Gabe Knight, a Policy Analyst from Consumer Reports who's been researching this issue for many months. I want to thank all of you for being with us and, and sharing your time and knowledge and expertise with us Uh, to inform us on this very, very critical issue. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind as your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.